Ray's Mountain Bike Park. And I just wanted to take this time to give another shout out to Keith and Ray's for providing us with this location for this podcast. If you've never heard of Ray's, it's been called Disneyland for Bicycles. It's got everything for everyone at every different skill level. So with that being said, thank you again to Keith and Ray's as well as you guys for listening and watching. And let's get into this one. This is No Promises Podcast number three. We are currently at Ray's Mountain Bike Park with the man, Keith Miller and Sponge. So, start out easy. When did you first start riding? Riding bikes? Yes. You can well, make a distinction between serious riding and kid riding, however you want to talk about it. Uh, well, there wasn't much time between like kid riding and sort of serious riding, even though I was just so young, so I don't know whether you still want to call that serious or not, but mm-hmm. like I started riding a bike when I was just turned five, and I started racing like the very next year. Wow. Yeah. Six years old. It was pretty crazy. How many people were there then? That were racing? Yeah, there was a lot. Well, now you got to remember, now I'm not as young as you guys are, <laughs> so... <laughs> This was back in 1974 when I started racing first. So in 1974, BMX was very young. In Ohio? No, this was in Florida. Florida, okay. Yeah. So the only reason why I even got involved in racing was my dad had a best friend that worked for the county. Mm -hmm. And the county was putting in this BMX track. And, And my dad went to help them build it. But back then, there was no huge jumps and gaps or anything. It was made out of telephone poles, old recycled tires, and uh, an old wooden gate, you know, that they had to pick up by hand and lock it in place. And they had this little foot spring thing where the guy just sat back there, and he would repeat the cadence by, by mouth. Yeah. There was no uh, computer or no cadence thing that you just pushed a button, yeah. and there was no recording or anything. It was just some some guy back there with a big cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He'd be like, all right, riders, pedal set. <sighs> and he'd just push this, push this little foot lever thing that you tried to look look over here a little bit to see when he was going to push it, yeah. you know? But, um, wow. yeah, that was, that was a long time ago, 74. So started riding a bike, and then my dad got involved with the track. And then I started racing, and then as soon as my sister got old enough to start riding, she started racing as well. Wow. And then we did the little circuit around yeah. there until I was about 13. Were you good? Were you fast? I don't know if I would say good <laughs> and fast, no. I would say that I was really competitive. Yeah. And I'd say that, you know, my dad took it seriously, I guess as serious could be back in the 70s, um, where the evolution of BMX racing and the BMX bike was just coming into its own. Like when I kind of quit, things were starting to make sense and some of the Mm -hmm. bike builders and bike manufacturers started making specific products for BMX. You know, and there wasn't wasn't really like a freestyle and a dirt jump and stuff like that. It was just, you race BMX. Mm -hmm. And then guys from the BMX track started putting wooden ramps out in the middle of the track. <laughs> so you would go down the first straightaway and some of the older guys would hit this wooden ramp, you know, and they'd just go up and do their little 
yeah. look over thing, you know, and land flat. And that was like a really cool thing. <laughs> and that was sort of the birth of kind of freestyle thing. Wow. How many tracks were around Florida during that time? Like so the track, the, yeah. the track that my dad helped build was either the first or the second uh, track built in Florida and one of the very first built in the country. Now, California had a couple of them before Florida did, but it was California had a couple yeah. of the original ones and then Florida started in with that. So it was definitely one of the original tracks. That's crazy. For sure. Yeah, that's crazy to be a part of something like that. Something that's original, you know. It was it was pretty crazy if you look back on all that stuff. You know, there are uh, Joe Kidd on a Stingray. If you look at stuff like that, I mean, that's that's how it all started. Just some guy in a in a lot somewhere yeah, yeah. that just kind of went with a rake and just kind of made like a little course out of stuff and had like a little line and you just all lined up on the line and some guy said go and yeah. that was it. Hmm. Is that like is that what you're riding the same like stingray bike? Stingray, yeah. absolutely. Now, now you know, mine and my sister's wasn't necessarily a stingray, yeah. but it was you know something like that. Yes, yeah. there was no such thing as like a freewheel right. or even a handbrake. Yeah, it was coaster brakes, and you know just like big bars that came up like this, <laughs> and that and that was that was what we raced. There was no no knobby tires yeah. or anything like yeah. that. It was like um, that came that came shortly after, but it was really kind of like in the garage. Let's yeah. figure this out. Let's weld this. Let's yeah. put this here. Yeah. Let's try and like make this work from a ten speed over to like a BMX bike with right. all kinds of different fabrication and stuff. It was raw. It was super <laughs> raw. Huh. So, so if you showed up at the track with a handbrake. You got all the chips. I can't imagine trying to jump or race with a coaster brake. That would be petrifying. Well, you got to think about, you know, jumping wasn't like that important or that, you know what I mean? And when it's all you know. Yeah. I mean, back then it was all about the power slide, Mm -hmm. you know, and the skid and berms weren't even a thing yeah. like the big bold berms yeah. that we know today we all had flat corners <laughs> and, to, and to show up to a track that had a little bit of a bank and a corner like we just went out there and looked at it for like 15 <laughs> minutes we couldn't even believe that there was any sort of angle to a berm at all yeah wow. so you know i know it's really hard for you guys to like kind of visualize this but and sometimes it's hard for me to recall some of the old stuff mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, it was it was super raw and super just trying to figure everything out. But but jumping, yeah, like you said. Yeah. Now you think about jumping on a coaster brake bike. I mean, that's like you're asking for it. <laughs> yeah. You know. But back then it was just that's just what you did. So in some ways it was almost as gnarly as racing today. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> in its own yeah. way. I mean, there was purpose-built water pits. What's that? Like a like a it was a hole that they filled with water and you had to go through the hole. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Is that really a surprise to you guys? Yeah. You guys yeah. need, you guys need to do a little like, bit more BMX history. Yeah. I think. This is what you this guys is need for. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> class 
class is in session. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that was the thing. And they would put, like, little funny signs that said, like, beware of the alligators. Yeah. Or... Uh, beware of sharks or something yeah. like that. But yeah, there were purpose-built water pits that had like a like a wedge mm-hmm. built out of dirt with a telephone pole yeah. that was stuck into the dirt and that served as the lip. So wow. when you got to the telephone pole, it was just like a do-do. <laughs> you know? And there was no landing. Yeah. Like it was just to flat. So you had like this little wedge to the telephone pole and then the pit, the water pit, and then you had the landing, the ground, the track, or whatever. Yeah. And to jump the whole water hole was like something that like hardly anybody did. Yeah. Yeah. So we would wear like, so, so there was no such thing as vans. Yeah. Right? I mean, vans, I mean, there were, I can't say they didn't exist, but they, there were vans. Yeah. But we were emulating motocross. People, you know that we were we would see films of or whatever yeah. so we would wear like construction boots or even like cowboy kind of boots yeah and we would tuck our pants in you know so it wouldn't get caught in the chain and then we would take duct tape and duct tape around where uh, your foot would be on the pedal mm-hmm. to give extra grip on the pedal because they were just old school, like I think I've seen roller. On yeah, yeah. Well, we would put, you know, like the shoe there. We would just wrap it around here, yeah. you know, around around the boot, around yeah. the construction boot. <laughs> got the extra grip there. Extra grip because yeah. back then they were just they weren't plastic, um, but they were like a molded rubber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them were. You know, some had like little ridges and stuff, but. They weren't really thinking about like sharpening those ridges until a, a few more years later, and then yeah. guys were out there sharpening their pedals to make them, <laughs> you know, stick to their shoes. But yeah, it was just hard sole construction boots. Do you think with that type of like early such form of racing, did that uh, start like did tracks start to evolve then, or did bikes start to evolve, or were they both at the same time? Did like one like shoot like did it, someone start having big berms and like all right? We need to do something about these coaster brakes, or <laughs> no, the coaster. No, the co- once once the racing scene started getting a little more popular. I mean, it's it was just as nichey then as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, the bicycle racer, or even BMX in general. You know, it's kind of a nichey thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so but once a few people, um, you know, started kind of tinkering with the BMX bikes and wanted to be a little more competitive you get these guys that just sort of step up to the plate and then start offering products for certain bikes or whatever, kind of like how Profile started in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it was, he got his kid involved in racing and, and the parts were breaking and this and that and his dad had a machine shop. Yeah. So he went in and he designed some cranks or some frames or whatever, started welding all that stuff up. And it was really done by guys like that who had machine shops, who had... Um, extruding plants that had different resources to start. If they just had an idea, they would just build it, put it on a bike, and see if it worked. Yeah. How long? Grips evolved, handlebars evolved, brakes. Oh, yeah. Brakes have never evolved. Brakes yeah. are still in the 1970s. <laughs> I don't know why. They just get brakes for BMX bikes don't evolve. I don't get that. Currently, it's because no one rides them. As yeah, far as, like, but they've, got, they've got, had a lot of time. 
yeah, right. to yeah. try and do that. You're totally right. It's it's weird. <laughs> it's it's pretty frustrating as yeah. somebody who deals with it on a daily basis. I'm like, man, can they come up with something better than that? Yeah. You know. How long did it take for like the evolution and like things to catch on and I become popular? It didn't take that long because if you think about like from 1974 when I started, in about 79. 80, 81, like that, things were really starting to evolve. Yeah. Like you were starting to see like custom number plates mm-hmm. and grips and uh, aluminum bars and, and custom frames and wheels and stuff like that. By 1980, it was full bore BMX and companies were making frames and wheels and tires and everything. So it was only a very <coughs> short time from when stingrays and then boom, race bikes. Yeah. And then everything kind of took off from there. It wasn't very long, mm. no. But it was really popular back then. Yeah. Mm. When was Rad? Rad was in the eighties. Okay. Yeah. Because that helped explode things too. Yeah, there were a couple different TV shows and stuff too that brought attention to the sport. Right. You know, of racing and or freestyle. So. You know. So there's that, and then there's where we are now. How do we get from the there to here. <laughs> what came next? Lots of horrible fashions, lots of horrible frame design. Yeah, well, okay, okay. So you talked about emulating motocross. Yes. BMX riders wore the full leathers. Was that from the very beginning, or did that like come into its own by itself? Well, you mean, well, so, I mean, back in the 70s, it was you know, construction boots because, yeah. you know, the riding boots back then were all made of leather as well, mm-hmm. like the motocross boots. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the for the guys who did have leathers that did ride motorcycles, mm-hmm. sure, they wore the leathers to the BMX track. Yeah. But guys like me, and you know, my family couldn't afford motorcycle leathers mm-hmm. or even a motorcycle helmet or a jersey or anything. So we just did t-shirts and jeans and duct taped boots and yeah. duct taped <laughs> boots and, and paper plates. For number plates, yeah. because back then you weren't assigned a number. You got a, a number each time you raced yeah. as to where you signed up on the sign-up. So when you mm-hmm. went to sign up, you stood in line, you got to the front, you said, you know, whatever, I'm 11 years old, uh, I'm a junior, or a, or a, I forget what the classes were then, it was junior, probably intermediate expert or something but you would just tell them and they would get the sheet and they would go okay 11 years old intermediate okay what's your name and they would write it down and then next to the num next to the name would have all these numbers mm-hmm. and then they would just flip over a paper plate they would write that number on there and just give you the paper plate and that was your number for the day so you didn't have like an assigned number yeah. they were just trying to figure out the whole point system and how all that worked so that didn't, it didn't take long for them to give you an assigned number, but you had to race quite a bit. Back then, like with the circuit stuff, was there an organization like there is now mm-hmm. who kept track of everything for everybody? Yeah, back then in Florida, it was called the NPSA, the National Pedal Sport Association. And it was, I, th- I believe it was strictly uh, bicycle oriented. Mm-hmm. Didn't have anything to do with motocross at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then it sort of morphed into other things, and then I think eventually there were different organizations in different ways. I think they had FLBMXA or something mm-hmm. Well, also, and then with the NPSA, and then I think 
Um, California had their own sanction too. And I don't know how it all kind of came together, but eventually it all became one or two. Yeah. You know, and now it's just one. But yeah, for the racing stuff anyway. How long did you uh, stick around the racing scene before you moved on to a different type of bike? Or were you a racer for... How long were you a racer? No, well, so from, you know, six until 13 and a half, 13, something like that, it was just completely race the whole time. Then it was baseball and soccer and golf and some other things. And of course, you know, by, by the time that kind of went along its way, um, you know, then it was girls and cars <laughs> yeah. and, you know, other things. So I came back into uh, bicycles. Um, I was riding motocross at the time. I always wanted a dirt bike. My mom said, no way are you getting a dirt bike or <laughs> anything motorized. Yeah. So as an adult, I was like, oh, I got this opportunity. I was living in Ohio then. I was like, I'm going to get a dirt bike. Everybody around me had dirt bikes. So I got a dirt bike. Started riding that. Met a girl who had a couple little kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am not buying your children a dirt bike. <laughs> that is not going to happen. So I said, but, you know, I'll get you a bicycle when we go to the BMX track. Mm-hmm. And we just showed up one day. I think I was 27, 28. Was that Akron? Like that. It was Akron. Wow. Yeah, Akron, Ohio. Just showed up one day, had a couple of bikes, just... Didn't really know. I, I hadn't been part of the scene for a long time. Yeah. I started mountain biking a little bit, like before the motocross thing, but not anything serious at all. It was just like a weekend thing to go ride the towpath or yeah. whatever. And then started racing BMX. Like, yeah. Is that how you got into like announcing and all that stuff? Or how long did that? Yeah. When when was the transition there? Well, you know, th- there's. As a lot of people will know, if once they get into BMX racing, there's maybe a year, maybe two years that you go through kind of like just trying to find your place at the track, like finding your little clique that you hang out with, you know, getting to know the people. Then you start getting involved in the track. Like, you know, hey, I want to come here more often because I want to practice, I want to get better, I want to get faster. So you start finding out, hey, if I just volunteer to do something, you know, I'll get more access to the track or whatever. So then you get involved in the volunteer and maybe being on the board. And the announcing thing was kind of a weird thing because I always, since I was a little kid, and I just told this story the other day, since I was a little kid, I would make cardboard uh, radio stations <laughs> upst- upstairs. In, in my mom's house in Florida when I was just a little kid. So I would make radio stations and I would have all the knobs and I'd have my, a little microphone and some speakers set up and stuff. And I would just sit up there all day and just pretend to play music and hot jock the music and hit the post and yeah. talk this up and give the weather and like send it on to the news guy and like that whole thing. So that was always sort of a love of mine to yeah. want to do that one day. So there, there were some other things too. I, if you want to get into that or not, yeah, yeah. There, there were some other, things, <laughs> there were some other things too where, like, opportunities came along and I didn't, I didn't pursue them. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't make it my priority to say, hey, look, I really think I can do this. I just need a shot at doing it. So whether you know this or not, but I was in the circus when I was in high school. So, um, you know, there's an opportunity to be the ringmaster, mm -hmm. the person who, you know, goes out in front of the whole crowd, is under the spotlight, yeah. who has the top hat and the tails and, and announces the circus and makes everything wonderful and, and tips his hat to all the, everybody out there, you know, and, and I just didn't take that yeah. opportunity and I should have and I didn't because I knew I could do it, but yeah. I was too like, ah, man, I've never done it before. I don't think I can. Yeah. I wasn't quite, you know, ready for that. Yeah. So when the BMX thing came about, one of my friends was the announcer every week. So I'd go up in the tower every now and then, and I'd just see how he was doing it. And one day, I think he just had to leave to race or something, and he just handed me the microphone, and he said, hey, man, will you do a couple motos until I get back? I go, all right, <laughs> sounds good to me. And I just started doing it and it literally just fell out. Like everything that I was going on in my head just started falling out. And yeah. it was just like, I'm not gonna say it was easy because it was a learning curve, but it was just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Race, right? <laughs> like this was a race. And it just came out, and it <laughs> sounded okay, and I just started doing it. I mean, anyone who's ever heard you announce knows that you're good at it. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not a traditional announcer. I'm not. I've I, never heard I, a traditional announcer, so. Well, would, have you seen any videos of like BMX races and all that? I mean, it's not really. So. Yeah, I just try and throw a little flavor in there. Yeah. You know. So, a lot of people don't listen to the announcer. Mm -hmm. So when I try and get people to help announce or try and like recruit people, say, hey, you should come and announce. Mm -hmm. Because it, it grows this community of people who can help. Mm -hmm. So when I try and do that, they're like, oh man, I can't do that, I can't do that. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm telling you, the only people that are listening to you right now are the parents of the kids that are on the track. Other than that, nobody else is listening mm -hmm. because it's a blah, 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 like that. Who wants to listen to that? Right. So I try and change it up a little bit. And when I get the opportunity to freeform or maybe throw a plug in for the concession stand or for maybe a vendor that's in the corral that's trying to sell some stuff, I'll just make shit up. <laughs> I mean, just make it up as it goes along. Yeah. I'll tell people that there's prime rib being being sold at the concession stand, you know? Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do, arrest me for yeah. the, not, not being prime rib at the I, concession stand? But it gets people's attention. Then yeah. Now they're listening. Right. Now they're like, whoa, wait a minute, what was that? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I try to make it interesting to where people want to listen to what I'm saying, even though what I'm saying means nothing at all. <laughs> but, you know, I need to tell people where the bathrooms are, what's for lunch, what's going to be happening here in 15 minutes. You know, you know what I mean? All that informational stuff. But it's the other stuff that you try to make somewhat interesting. Yeah. Because the announcer is the, the essence of the event. Yeah, if, you have, if you have a good announcer and you can 
play off of the announcer's abilities and also throw in, you know, I think music is also part of the oh, part of it too, but it has to be a good mix of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can't be in your face. The music can't be in your face. Yeah. The announcer needs to be in your face, right. letting you know what's going on. Oh. And if you can't understand the announcer or the system isn't powerful enough or clear enough, then nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's standing there going, what did he just say? <laughs> what's going on? Where do we need to be? Yeah. And like for an event that people and volunteers have spent a ton of time putting together, they overlook a lot of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Where they try and put everything in place, but they just don't think that much about the announcer and how important that person is in getting their point across to let everybody know what's going on. So I think yeah. it's very, I think it's super super important. You're absolutely right. I, yeah. Reflecting back on different like contests, like if there's a good announcer and they're keeping the thing moving and keeping it fun, yep. like everybody's day is going to be awesome. Oh yeah, everybody's yes. day is going to be awesome. Yep, absolutely. Yep. I can make people do the craziest thing <laughs> because they, you yeah. know, they, they listen. Yep. So I'll make the whole crowd, okay, everybody on your feet. Yeah. And everybody will stand up. <laughs> so and everybody funny. raise their right hand. Everybody, uh, all right, everybody raise their left hand. Like that. Now go, okay, now we're going to moto number 50. <laughs> yeah. We're taking off here. We got eight riders on the gate. And, <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and they're all standing there like this. It's like, there more? It's, yeah, <laughs> there's no more. It's like, I just made you do that. Yeah. Like it's, wow. it's just a, you know, it's a weird thing having that microphone, but mm -hmm. you also, you know, have to realize that a lot of people do listen. So you right. have to keep it rated G. Yeah, that's... And you, you have to watch mm -hmm. what you say and who you're saying it to and about. Mm -hmm. Because you never want to... You know, dig on you know somebody you know that's possibly wearing a helmet during an interview or something. Right. You know that could Dang. that could possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could possibly hurt the guy's feelings. Yeah. You know, or yeah, his yeah. bike, or what he's wearing, or his right. number plate, or you know, or something else. You know, you have to be very supportive, and you, and you can't like bag on anybody unless it's a friend of yours. Right. So. <laughs> So at the same time as all of this, what were you like riding skate parks, or trails, or anything else too at the same time, or was it just racing? That's, this is funny, and this is where I think a lot of kids nowadays, and parents, and even like guys that are my age or guys that were my age when they got back into it, you know, late twenties, mm -hmm. um, that. They're very, they have the blinders on and they're only thinking about how fast they are on the track. Yeah. And they're not realizing that by riding different disciplines and doing different things on your bike also helps you be really fast on the track. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to, um, you have to sacrifice maybe a gym day. Yeah. You have to sacrifice a little training day to go out and ride trails and ride park and ride street and you know just yeah. ride your bike right being in the gym is great for your muscles and all that yeah. stuff but you gotta ride your bike and i think that's lost so for me i saw guys like neil wood that was you know one of the last guys on flats i was watching guys like tim strelecki and um 
uh, uh, I forget who the uh, Mike Gonzalez and all these guys that would show up and I would completely go right to the fence and watch pro practice and I would look for those guys because mm -hmm. those guys had the best trail style they'd get the inverted flatties over the pro set and they would just manual for days and I mean watching a guy go fast around the track is cool but you want to see some style. You want right. to see it being being done smooth and in control. It's almost like the guy could eat a lunch while he was jumping a jump. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he was so comfortable doing it. And it was just the style that I was after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's for me. It was yeah yeah. Racing is important to me, and I want to be fast and good. But I also want to emulate guys like you know Mike yeah. Gonzalez and Neil Wood and guys like that. You know that have that awesome style. So, for you, me, for me, I, I, I had to work on it. I, yeah. I didn't even know how to manual. I mean, it came right. from like 1980, whatever, whatever it was when I stopped, 1982, 83 yeah. or something when I stopped racing. And then I jumped back into it in 1998 or 1997. So, it was, it was like a whole new ball game. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, now i got to learn to manual. i got to learn to pull manual. i got to learn to, you know, do these other things to be competitive. So... You know, luckily I sought out every single trail there was mm -hmm. to ride. The trails at Romito mm -hmm. and like there was some down in Akron at the Lions Club. I think there was some down there and Paul Thorne and Tommy Thorne had their trails in Akron. And, and unfortunately I didn't know about Apple Creek. I don't think they were running at that time, <laughs> you know. It would have been, not yeah, just very at the beginning. Right. I'd heard rumors about a place in Apple Creek, but... It just wasn't on our schedule to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to ride trails. And I, park and street wasn't really my thing. Now, I kind of understand where it falls in there. But back then, it just wasn't a thing. I just wasn't interested. Yeah, right. and, we didn't, and we didn't have the option like Ray's. Right. Yeah. We didn't have that option. We had Chango Wong. Yeah. And you went there, and it was just, I was, you know, I was an adult at the time. And I was like, oh, this really isn't a place for adults. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I didn't feel comfortable there. I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I went there a couple times, but I was like, ah, this, is, this place isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not like race. No, not like race. <laughs> <laughs> Chinga One has a lot of great history, and they've, they've really developed a lot of the biking culture here in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. There is no doubt mm -hmm. that Chango One, the original Chango, is the reason why Cleveland has such a great BMX scene. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No Good doubt. Moment. And we didn't have parks, you know, neighborhood parks and right. stuff. You just didn't. Yeah. When did... So... So was Akron Skate Park there when you when you went back? No. How long, when was that built in relation to when you started? God, that's a good question. I guess I'm not sure. It seems like it's been there for a long time, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Seems, yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember, obviously. But you think it's been there ten years? I, I, I've only I've been riding for ten years, so yeah. yeah. It's crazy to think like you were there all the time. So you'd think you might remember when a skate park like popped out out of nowhere. I remember it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and as as a member of the board of Akron BMX, we were like, oh no, 
<laughs> you're like, oh man, we're gonna get all kinds of vandalism. They're, these kids are gonna burn this place down, and you know we're gonna get broken into all the time. Yeah. And uh, you know, unfortunately, those things really did happen. Yeah, it seems like it's calm right like now ish. I guess I don't spend a ton of time down there anymore. Really? I mean, I, I do still go to yeah. the track, but I don't know any of the inner workings of you know the track and what they're going mm-hmm. through. But the track had to buy a security system. They had to fence in their whole thing and try yeah, and yeah. you know just to keep the vandalism out. It really it was it's an insurance thing for them, yeah. and it's a vandalism thing because that track is run completely one hundred percent on volunteers. Nobody gets paid to do anything there. Mm-hmm. So all the money that they raise from races and events and you know people donating money goes straight into the track. Nobody else. So when somebody goes in there and breaks into the concession stand, tears a huge hole in the roof wow. to go in and to steal candy, you know, it's just yeah. a huge setback for them. Yeah. And it's really, really unfortunate. And they could say, well, that happened before the skate park didn't happen before the skate park right. it happened oh, after I mean, the, the, you the skate know, park just kind of like ah uh, <laughs> like I don't want to blame the skate park but it's like god it's, it didn't happen before that and it's happening now so yeah, yeah un- unfortunately it does bring a little more attention down there which is good for the track yeah right but it's also that uh, the park the skate park is open 24-7 it is and it's in a kind of I would say obscure location it is so if you yeah. have people down there Anybody in the middle of the night, you know, something bad's going to happen. I know, I yeah. know. Yeah, it, it's just it's just today's society that you know that that happens. But I guess if I had it, if if I had my choice of two evils, I would rather somebody break in and steal candy than ride a four wheeler or a dirt bike or a jeep or a oh, truck yeah. on the track. Yeah. If I had my choice of one or the other. It would just take some goddamn candy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't f with the track. Yeah. Because we could always go and ride the track. Yeah. Might not be able to sell candy, and yeah, it's a lot of work and money to get the concession stand back. But man, the track. I mean, that's what it's the track. That's what it's there for is right. to ride the track and to have kids have fun riding their bikes, mm-hmm. and that should be respected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're all the way up to the track. What year is this now? 98, 99? 98. So when did, when did Ray start? 2004. Okay. Were you there at the very beginning of it? Yes. Let's talk about that. So, <laughs> I have an interesting story about that. And I found out why this story is, even exists. So, by the time I found out about this guy Ray mm-hmm. and about this he's building this bike park mm-hmm. I had no idea what he was building or whatever I didn't know Ray um, but I found out that he was building one in Cleveland now at the time I was living in Cleveland and I was just li- I, I was living where I live now no I was living in Berea which is a little suburb of Cleveland and I would go to the website he had a website up but all it would show is the smokestack, mm-hmm. and pretty much that's it. And maybe part of the building, yeah. and that was it. Mm-hmm. And he said location coming soon, or whatever. Yeah. You know, just so there were people who found out where it was. I think that they did announce where it was, and people started coming, like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Yeah. And Ray couldn't get anything done. Oh, 
He couldn't get anything done because people were walking in going, yeah. hey, what are you building? What's going on? Who are you? What did, you know? And he's like, oh, my God. Like, I, I can't get anything done. Like, so he took all the location off of the website. Mm-hmm. And then he just told everybody. Like, he started locking the doors. And he was like, nobody's coming in until I get some stuff done. Yeah. Willy Wonka style. <laughs> so, so at the time, um, I was working for a... Um, an LTL company, which is like a trucking company. I was working for them and I would ask all of the drivers and I would show them a picture of that. I printed it out. I would show a picture and I'd say, do you know where this place is? Wow. And they go, ah, that could be here, could be there. You know, a lot of places in the Rust Belt in Cleveland, yeah. Pittsburgh and Detroit, I mean, they got, all the buildings kind of look alike. Mm-hmm. So they're like, ah, I might have seen it. I'm like, okay, well, look, if you see the smokestack, please let me know where it's at or whatever. So, months went by. I drove around Cleveland, drove around, drove around everywhere, and couldn't find it. Yeah. And then, I think a driver or someone I knew or something said, yeah, it's over there by whatever, and just gave a general thing, and then I, I found it. And <laughs> I, 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 I pulled in, and this is funny, I pulled in, and I saw there was some cars parked out front, but the door was shut, and the other door was shut, mm-hmm. and I just left it alone. I didn't knock, I didn't try the door, I didn't see if it was open or not. If the doors are shut, I just, I don't, I don't want, you know what I mean? So, I, I left. So I knew where it was, and then I started talking to some people, and then I got the invite to come in one day, and I came in, and I was just like, holy cow. Yeah. Wow, this is gonna be awesome. Yeah. And then, um, I don't think I talked to Ray for a while, but I tried to come on the day that he opened in 2004, and we were at a BMX race in uh, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and I didn't get to go to the opening day, unfortunately. I really wish I would have, but we had a good time in Tennessee, so. So how much was here when it first opened? What fraction, maybe, since people who are watching might not know exactly what it looks like here <laughs> and how big it really is, like what fraction existed? Um, so we currently have 180,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. So, the, <laughs> so the original, the original space was 66,000. Wow, that's still a lot. It's it's still a lot. Sixty six thousand square feet is a lot. Yeah. And I think most of the people who are either wanting to build a park or have built a park or are currently working on uh, building parks mm-hmm. are all right around in that square footage range. Yeah. They're all right around, and that would be big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 66,000 would be big if you're talking park size, indoor yeah. park size. Um, it was impressive. When I came in, a lot of stuff was built. It kind of, they put a bunch of trees out there so it kind of looked like outside. They did the stencil on the walls mm-hmm. that looked like trees. Um, it was visually, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen any of those like North Shore berms or yeah. little obstacles or logs or anything like that. I'd never seen that before. No, really, nobody had. Right, well that, okay. I mean, they were just logs sitting in a warehouse, <laughs> kind of, like by themselves. Yeah. yeah. And you just rode over them and it was like, wow, what a concept. So, so have you made the connection that, that you were part of one of the first tr- BMX tracks? And probably the, it's the first indoor mountain bike park. Mm, Have you made that connection? No, you, not you were just involved now. with both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is 
that definitely is pretty cool. That there is there is a connection I mean, there. I never thought of that. Could say that. None? Yeah. None? Yeah. I mean, not exactly in that thing. Yeah. But, but there are plenty of people in the industry, I will say, because yeah. I know there's people out there going, well, I was, you know, part of that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are in the bicycle industry that have been there from the very beginning. And right. with different things and Absolutely. different whatever. But in that particular thing, with this being what this is, yeah, yeah I guess you could say, yeah, it just kind of comes full circle. Like, yeah. I made this big detour. Yeah. But when I came back, like as, as, as in life, stuff. as in life, and when I try and tell kids on an, almost on a daily basis, it's, there's no way to guarantee it, but be in the right place at the right time with the right credentials and something will happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I was just in the right place at the right time on right. the right day, you know, to be a part of it and then to... To tell Ray, say, hey, I, I announce all yeah. over the country at these different BMX events. If you ever need anybody on the microphone, I'd be more than happy to just volunteer my time mm -hmm. to do it. And sure enough, it didn't. It wasn't long before he was like, oh, by the way, you're the announcer for the event today. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. oh, great. I'm like, I don't know any of these mountain bikers. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sure you'll be fine. And he just walks away. <laughs> and he just hands me the microphone and I'm like, okay. And then a couple other guys came over and they're like, okay, we'll do this and do that. And like, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there with my coffee. It's like eight o'clock in the morning because I was always the first one here and the last one to leave. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's the way it happened here. Was that the very, was that 2004 when you told him no. the announcing stuff or... It yeah, off? it was probably that season. Yeah. I just sort of mentioned, maybe I might have mentioned it to one of the guys that were working up front uh -huh. or something. And, uh, you know, I came in, I had a number plate on my bike. You know, I was riding a cruiser at the time, a 24-inch cruiser. So, they, I mean, the guys that worked here, I mean, they knew that I was a racer. But, um, you know, maybe they just didn't know that I announced or anything. But yeah. I just made it known. I was like, look, man, I want to help you out. I want to mm -hmm. see this thing yeah. survive. Right. Like, please let me do whatever. Yeah, and then and, that evolved into this. What do you do now? Yeah, now I just <laughs> hang out, man. I don't know what you're doing. Okay, much, so I just okay then what's your title? Oh, my title? I don't know. Just the dude. <laughs> the guy. The, the, the guy that, that everybody complains to. Yeah, the guy who yells when necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I only had to yell once yesterday to a guy on the phone. That's so funny. But uh, that's few and far between. So we've we've got our we've got our system down. I don't have to yell at that. Right. Much. How long did it take to to go from being the announcer that day to like kind of? So doing that was probably oh five oh six something like that. Yeah. And then um, the very end of oh nine going into ten, we were kind of like just testing the waters a little bit he had mentioned to me that he was needing somebody to do that to run the park for him but everything wasn't in place yet so he needed to make a couple things happen first and then by the very beginning of I think it was 10 yeah because this is the eighth year um, yeah I was I was here and I was managing the park and I was the guy making the changes and dealing with you know, the employees that came from the old school way of doing things and weren't that happy about things. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, 
this is a popular place. Yeah. We either need to change with the times or fall with the with the rest of them. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let it fall. No. So I was like, no, we need to tighten some things up around here. And so. it seems like things are are they better than they've ever been? Well, they're better than they than they ever have been. Yeah. But the biggest reason why things are like they are today is because of Trek. Yeah. If it wasn't for Trek coming in and and giving us a good point of sale system, a good organizational chart, a good job map yeah. of how things are to be run and what everybody's duties are here on a daily basis, yeah. that we still could be scrambling at the front end, taking people's picture and putting them in an old outdated computer. And I mean, it's very possible yeah. that still could be the, the case. I mean, I would, I would hope not that that wouldn't be the case, but it doesn't matter because it is what it is today. Yeah. And what it is today is because Trek, you know, they owned the park. They wanted to make sure that everything was done the right way. Right. And they made sure that those processes were in place. So we should be very thankful to Trek Corporation for coming in and kind of bailing us out mm -hmm. of, a, of a trying time yeah. at the time we were building Milwaukee. And uh, basically, yeah, kind of bailing us out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they set in place some things and, you know, they had a management yeah. um, that was, you know, over me and like, but they really kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do, yeah. you know. Um, but we had an HR department, which was weird. We oh, had a legal gosh. department, you know. I mean, we had all the assets that Trek had to our disposal. So right. we could make those phone calls and, and get a hold of those people, even though they didn't really understand the business yeah. of the bike. Well, it sounds like they, they came in and showed how to properly run a successful business. <laughs> yeah. And then you adapted running a skate park, mountain bike park to that mold and that's, course. that's what made it successful. Yeah. Aside from all of the awesome stuff to ride. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's part of it too. But that's the part that, you know, Trek builds bikes. Yeah. They don't run amusement parks. Right. So they were just kind of like, yeah, we know how to build bikes and we know how to run retail establishments. But when it comes to something like this, which is way different than a retail establishment, yeah. I think it is. We sell retail, yeah, but we're not pressuring it on anybody. Right. We're not, you know, finding out what people's budgets are when they walk in. Hey, what's right. your budget today? Hey, we got this and we got this. Yeah. And we got, you know, it's not bad at That's all. That's not your product. No, the product is, is the park. Product is the park. Absolutely. People come here to ride their bike, not to buy. Yeah. You know, but it's here. Plain. You want it? It is here. And uh, it is part of the business, and, and we like to sell retail stuff. Mm -hmm. But we do we turn away a lot of service. You know, people wanting tune-ups and stuff yeah. because that's not our business. That's right. not what we do. We're we're not equipped for that, and we don't want to be equipped for that. The local brick-and-mortar bike shop; those are the guys that are going to help you out tune it in your bike. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that that want to order from Profile and they want to order from Cali and from Fox and from all these other things. If you go there and let them know enough times, yeah, you know, hey, this is what we want. Right. Eventually, they're gonna you know carry that stuff or order it for you. But, um, you know, selling that stuff is part of what we do, but we also like to think that this is an opportunity for our customers to come in and see our sponsors' products and not necessarily buy them on the point, yeah. but be able to see them and say, wow, that was a really cool product. 
I probably should have bought it when I was there, but you know what? I'm going to go to their website, or yeah. I'm going to go to the local bike shop, or I'm going to go to REI, or I'm going to go to Dick's, or I'm going to go to wherever. doesn't even matter where it is. But, um, yeah, our product is the park. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, we've talked about from the beginning to where we're at now. I'm going to give you a hard question. <laughs> oh, no. You've done racing, skate parks, trails, all that stuff. What's your favorite aspect of bikes right now? Well, so now the racing thing is like kind of right. like, uh, I don't want to say I'm done with racing, but yeah. racing competitively I'm done, right. but I'm not done riding the tracks because yeah. I think everybody should ride a BMX track. Everybody. And I think it's great. But now it's, it's, it's mountain bikes, it's cross country, it's enduros. If we had downhill stuff, I would probably do downhill stuff, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But right now, my focus is completely cross-country, mountain bikes and all that. So, um, I guess, for me, coming from the mountain bike side of things, that it's great to have such a close-knit community of people who also ride mountain bikes. Yeah. And who also enjoy doing the same things that we do like being outside and being in the nature. Now I'm kind of growing roots out into maybe some hiking, you know, some epic trails, you know, doing stuff like that, you know, and maybe while I'm hiking, that will spark another interest of doing maybe something else. But um, the outside is beautiful and I love it, even though we're cooped up in this inside thing (laughs) all winter. um, We paint the walls to make it feel like outside. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, outside... Outside is better. Always. I, I, I love I love coming indoors because we don't have a choice, and it's great. And having to, to see friends, mm-hmm. you know, on a weekly basis and hang out with my friends and stuff is great. Mm-hmm. But you know, being outside is really cool too. So yeah, I guess it's just I guess it's just that part. Being outside, having a good strong community of people that like doing the same thing is yeah. is great. Yeah. I did want to ask too, how many people are still riding here who are here like from the the very beginning? beginning. Is there a lot? No, no, (laughs) I don't think so. Um, So some of the guys um, are still here on a regular basis. Uh, but th- there's really only a handful. Mm-hmm. So let's say I think first time I was here was either 04, 05. Yeah. So would you say that there's more BMX riders that are been here from the beginning because Changa, like, was around and it ended around the time that this was becoming a thing. So like, this was a place to go, or was there not as For much sure. BMX in the beginning? No, there was no BMX in the beginning. Okay. BMX bikes weren't allowed. Oh, I thought uh, the very beginning we had that rhythm up front where it was like three boxes in a row. So the first two years, yeah, BMX bikes were not allowed. You had to have a 24-inch bike or bigger huh. to ride in okay. the park. So, that, of course, that didn't last very long right. because there was like the king of rhythm, right? Right. Which is, that, is that what you're talking about, the king of rhythm thing? No, or I had a, the, a buddy, um, his name was Matt Patterson. 
he was a carpenter from Wayne County. He was coming up on the weekends and building ramps here. Oh, uh, okay. I came up with him. Yeah. And I could have sworn there was a box jump, like where, yeah. like that. No, no, there was there was box jumps, but they okay. were built for the mountain bikes. Okay. They were built for novice riders. Yeah. Yeah, but there there was a rhythm section, and those those boxes were built by BMX guys. Yeah. Well, he was a big mountain biker. It's just when you're in Wayne County, Ohio, whoever yeah. rides, you ride with them. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So in that case, like you knew somebody was coming into the park to to work or whatever. Right. So you just came along and like right. went in and yeah. took your BMX bike and rode around on stuff. I don't know the exact timing of when you were here or when right. you weren't. And it, and it doesn't matter it doesn't, because no. after a certain time, you know, BMX guys are pounding on the door. <laughs> right. Like, let us in. Especially after Chenga closed. Well, that, that too. It was like, come on, man, let us in. This is crazy, you know. And so it started out as being like one day a week. Right. Because the park was only open six days a week and then closed on Mondays. And then during the week, it opened at like 4, 4 p.m. or something when Ray would get off of his normal job and just mm-hmm. be able to be here and open the doors. Mm-hmm. So it would be like 4 to 10 or something would be a session. And then there was one day during the week, I think it was either Tuesdays or Thursdays or something like that, that it, BMX bikes were allowed. <laughs> and then it's, you know, then it, we kind of noticed, wow, there's a lot of BMX guys coming. You know, just as many as mountain bikes at some points. And then I think there was another day that got added. And then there was the Sunday night. Thing so that's that got been added. around for a long Sunday time. Sunday night BMX has been around for a long time. That's and we're going to continue to keep that, of course. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of our most popular nights. Oh, yeah. I mean, if not the most popular session, if you would say, from 4 to 10. It's it's crazy how many people show up for a Sunday night, 4 to 10. It's, it's great, actually. But eventually, then it got to, to the point where it was like, all bikes, all the time, come in. Everybody right. pays the same. Yeah. There was a little like price difference at one point, I think it was. Like BMX guys were only charged like 10 bucks. And like mountain bikers were charged fifteen or something like that. The mountain bikers are like, oh, wait a, <laughs> wait a minute! Like I understand what you're doing, but that's not fair. Right. So everybody just pays the same, and, and yeah. it's been like that forever. And now you got a guy on a unicycle cruising this place on the regular. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty funny because I think unicycles were here from almost the beginning. It was kind of like, eh, you know, unicycles. <laughs> like, come on, man. And then unicycles evolve, too. Yeah. I mean, they ride unicycles on downhill tracks. Oh, they ride them down mountains. It's crazy. It stuff. is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, they get just as much respect here as any other bike discipline. It's yeah. Trials. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I or, saw a guy on a trials bike recently. Or fixies. That's the, a thing here? Well, not here, but it's oh, a thing. Well, yeah, I'm like fixie free. Trying to imagine a fixie jumping the, the XC loop outside. I haven't seen that, but I did <laughs> see a guy ride a fixie, a 26 inch fixie, in the skate park. Wow. That's wow, is right. It was weird. Have you seen those videos though? Those guys oh, are doing. No, no. They're guys, those guys are doing oh. like bar spins and stuff, and where with their pedals moving. I know, I, and it's insane. Yeah, insane. 
I'm standing back there and I'm watching this guy go through like doing wall rides and then like going across the deck and like a pedal wheelie wow. and like and and uh, hop in the back end. Yeah. To get the pedals yeah. right, you know, to go up on the quarter or something. Wow. I'm, just, I'm it's blowing my mind yeah. because it does not look normal at all. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, God, that looks really weird and hard. And, <laughs> yeah. But but you don't. But for for somebody who's never ridden ridden one like that, yeah, it's really hard to kind of understand what's going on, and Are it's really different? hard to understand really how techy it is. I mean, the pedals are moving whether you want them to move yeah. or not. Yeah. It just being able to, like, ah, it just it doesn't register with me. I, I don't have that. I want to ability. see one at the trails. I, uh, <laughs> I I think there's guys out there that could do it. Oh yeah. I don't know if you'll ever see one or not. I want to. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sight to see. Well, I do have a goal for the tr for the trails for the Apple Creek trails. What's that? To be able to jump through Maine on my fiftieth birthday. When is that? It's in a, about a year and two months. Oh, you're in. You're in. Look, it's not guaranteed. No, but no, nothing you, is guaranteed. If you keep your current pace, you're in. Unf <laughs> unfortunately, tomorrow is never guaranteed. You're right. <laughs> We've right. learned that with recent recent happenings here. You want to talk so, about that? I mean, we can. That's totally up to you if you'd like to. Yeah, we can. What happened? Well, um, unfortunately, Ray had an accident on his mountain bike last at the end of last summer, like in early fall and September, and um, just a super freak accident going down this real super flowy section of trail. He was probably hauling ass, and. Um, you know, just got a little loose and uh, hit a tree with his head and completely like smashed his helmet to pieces. And um, he's lucky to be alive, but uh, broke his neck and is now uh, suffering some paralysis and maybe long term, maybe permanent. We're hoping it's not permanent, yeah. but it's possible it could be. Yeah. But uh, we've been dealing with that, you know, since September. And that's where the, so, the Ride for Ray stuff comes from. That's where the hashtag Ride for Ray comes from. Stickers, shirts, all that good stuff. Yep. And the GoFundMe page also is up uh, for people who want to donate that can't come to the park and ride. But since we're talking about, like, donations and stuff like that, like, there's been so many people that have approached me on a daily basis and say, you know, man, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can do to help? And if they're standing in the park, I say, you're doing exactly something right now by being here at the park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Riding what Ray created and what he'll continue to create. Maybe, you know, maybe not with his own hammer and whatever, but he's still going to design the park. He's still going to make sure that things get done in the summer. He's still going to make those, those phone calls to get people motivated and, and make sure that the work gets done. Yeah. So, I mean, his vision and his creativity and what he sees the park um, and the progress that it makes is still going to be his 100% input and decision. Right. So, it's just going to be constructed and built by us. Yeah. Which is no different than any other year. 
Right. It's just Ray's going to take a little time off. He's going to focus on rehab mm -hmm. and getting a lot of function back. Yeah. And we hope that he'll be able to ride in here Absolutely. again. You know, I mean, that's what I think everybody's hoping for. Mm -hmm. You know, he put it all on the line in 99 or 2000 or whatever it was when he decided that this is what he wanted to do was build a park. Mm -hmm. And all of his focus went into building this park and all of his savings and all of his time and everything was devoted to this park to make this thing happen. So, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate and we as riders, we know people who have been seriously hurt by riding bicycles and it's the chance that we take every time we throw a leg over a bike and we you know we just need to be careful as careful as we possibly can yeah. you know everybody has their chicken bone but in Ray's case he was in full control he knew exactly what he was doing yeah. like we'd ridden that trail a thousand times we knew every corner every route every rock in that trail and then just something happens mm -hmm. but you know there, there's nothing wrong with saying you know I think I'm going to slow down a little bit yeah or I don't think I'm going to ride this trail alone mm -hmm. you know I mean just like you guys you guys wouldn't ride the trails you know Never. dirt jumps no. by yourself helmet and someone else there that's I mean that's it that that's it so if Ray wasn't riding a helmet he wouldn't be here yeah there's no way right no way um but yeah, we just, you know, there's, there's gotta be a time where people just say, okay, I'm going to slow down a little bit. Right. So yeah, unfortunately we're dealing with that. But the good thing is, is that, you know, the park's not going anywhere. We're yeah. still going to, still going to march on, mm. you know, there's some changes that we're going to have to make here and there, but nobody will ever notice any of that stuff. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to focus this year on getting a lot of the stuff that, is legacy type features that are out there. We're gonna get those dialed in and get those nice and sturdy and, you know, get everything dialed in and maybe a new paint job and, you know, I mean, the park will be just as badass as it always has been and, and we're, we got some surprises up our sleeve, so. Yeah. You know, it'll still, well, I can't <laughs> Will there be growth? Um, we had a lot just like last year. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Several uh, rooms have been added. Right. The last <laughs> two years we have expanded. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll be honest. When Ray told me last summer that we're going to take on new space, I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Not any new space. I mean, it's a lot to keep up. It's yeah. a lot of roof. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of lights. There's a lot of stuff that we need to keep track of. And it's just, it's a lot for mm -hmm. the amount of staff that we have. It's mm -hmm. a lot. So taking on new space was something that I wasn't really, I wasn't like gung-ho, like, yeah, this is going to be sick. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I will say this, and Ray has done this to me time and time and time again. I'm always like, man, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, It'll be okay. <laughs> like we're doing it. Yeah. We're gonna do it. We're gonna get it done. Yeah. It's gonna be great. And sure enough, every time he's never let me down. Not one time. Yeah. Well, I mean, in almost 15 years, the size has tripled. 
68,000 to 180,000? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. How many other skate parks, indoor parks? I mean, that's also what's special about this place is that that's even possible. Because most places you can't do that without building another building, you know? That is true. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the market right now in commercial real estate for 180,000 square feet and look at the look at the price per square foot mm -hmm. and you start adding just just that up alone and you figure out what it costs a month to to occupy a space like that it's yeah. you're like oh no <laughs> that ain't happening right. yeah. there's no way um you know Maybe the guy who just launched that rocket into space with the car yeah. attached to it. Maybe he would be able to Maybe do it. Maybe we should get his kid you in know? riding bikes. Uh, he yeah. <laughs> send, are you guys out there, will you please send that guy a BMX bike? Yeah. You know, him and his kids and his family. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. We'd have another sick park. In California. Right. <laughs> on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> the first indoor bike park on Mars. With no gravity, so you just go. Right. And there'll be a shuttle to Jupiter where you could ride like a dirt terrain park on Jupiter. We fit. Jupiter's fast, though. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anything that's certain with that guy, it's that nothing is certain. Right. <laughs> So it, even before Ray's, Ray's situation that, we're, that we have now, um, we get asked all the time. I, I have probably three emails in there right now that I get to get back to people wanting to build parks or wanting us to build a park. Yeah. Or they want to build a park somewhere and they want us to help them or they want a franchise opportunity or mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, it's we just don't think that this, what we have here, can be duplicated. It would no. take a very special set of circumstances. That's exactly what it is. And a lot of luck. That's exactly what it is. It's a certain set of circumstances. Yeah. A lot of luck. The stars have to be perfectly aligned. Yeah. And you have to have the right people at the right time with the right amount of support um, to make something like this happen. And even then, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. You know, being in an old building like this, I mean, you know, there's surprises around every corner. Oh, yeah. And I have learned from every day living my life in this place for the last eight years is always expect the unexpected. Because it will happen. When you, don't, when you think it's not going to happen, it's going to happen. <laughs> so you just got to keep your senses aware of everything that's going on. It's, it's a very unique atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. See yourself here for another eight years? Of course. Forever, as long I, as it's here. Yeah, I mean, as yeah. long as it's here, you're here. I mean, I think I would. I would like to. I would why like not, to. Right? Well, I mean, you know, yeah. You know, why not? While I'm physically able to do it and yeah. still be a part of the summer construction thing, and and uh, still be able to be on the roof and do repairs, and you know, physically. I mean, I'll be fifty next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, fifty is the new thirty. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before. We really don't know yet what the age limits are because of the age of BMX. Like, the, the number of people who were there at the beginning who are still here is so much smaller than the number of people getting into it now. Yeah. So as time goes on, there's going to be more people to stay involved yeah. to find out. Like, I mean, there's that 70-year-old, is that 70-year-old lady? Who still rides the, yeah. the, the racetrack? Like, sure. 
It's crazy. Yeah, she had some uh, she had some good media time too, yeah, right? Because of that, wasn't she on a late show? She was on TV. Somewhere. Miss Kitty. Yeah, Miss Kitty. Yep. Yep. I've seen her many a times at BMX races, and it's amazing. But yeah. I mean, somebody like that, you never know. They could have a 70 and over class at the BMX races. Yep. And, and guys are competitive doing it. Hoffman, what, DMC. Dennis McCoy won an <laughs> X Games medal at like 50 years old or something like that. Like, so I think... Look, there's inspiration out there everywhere. Yeah. Guys like that. Guys like Stu Thompson that are still killing it. And there's a... There's a Long list of guys is still Rick Moliterno still yeah, it's yeah. amazing amazing rider yep and he's over fifty I believe and how many guys and that you don't know about who are still riding trails and tons riding all tons. kinds of places that you just don't hear about you don't hear about it I I would at least like to think that in my age at my age you know doing the things that I do on a bicycle and being able to to do what I do is. I, th I think that it's there's a there's not a long list of people that do that, mm -hmm. but it's getting bigger and there's more people staying in it yep. and there's more people being involved and I think I'm seeing it from the root of it and I think that this place Ray's Indoor Bike Park has has really. Um, changed a lot of people and got more people into bikes by just being here. Absolutely. I think we are a huge reason why the dirt jumper scene locally and in this region is so huge. Oh yeah. I think we are the reason why. If you've ever tried to look one up and buy one, you'll see that how hard it is just to find one right. in general. But if you go to the BMX tracks around here, starting from Michigan, going down to Louisville, Coming over to like um, you know Pittsburgh and then up to Erie and then back over to Cleveland. You go to any of those BMX tracks, you will see dirt jumpers yeah. at the BMX track. Yeah. But if you go down south to Florida, you're probably not going to see very many of them. That makes sense. Um, you're probably not going to see many of them in Georgia or whatever because we just didn't influence that many people from yeah. that area. But around here, there's a huge influence for that. And same thing with the mountain bike scene around here. I think that a lot of the trails, uh, the mountain bike trails and like the skate park downtown, yeah. I would like to think that we were, you know, a, a wedge of that pie. I don't know how big that wedge is, but a wedge of that pie that says, hey, we get a lot of people who yeah. ride at this place. And that if we continue to build this bike, this cycling culture around Cleveland and around Ray's and around this, that it'll just continue to grow. And I would yeah. like to think that we were a big, big part of that. There's no question. Literally yeah. no question. Because if Rays didn't exist, there would just be Changa 2, and there would probably be who knows how many people who just don't even ride. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but we're, we're very thankful to, to everybody who has, you know, supported us. Mm. And... Very thankful for the different organizations around town that do credit us for for certain things. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's great to have the support I mean, from the community. At least once a year, you're kicking it with Kenny. Kicking it with <laughs> Kenny. He hasn't been around this year, but uh, but we do we do get calls from the news stations that want to do stories on us. I mean, we're a very unique venue. Yeah. Whether you're a writer or not, 
If you're a thrill seeker and you just want to go check it out, yeah, man, this, is, mean, this is the place for you. There was also that show on A&E, the, the storage or the moving, tri- whatever that show is, you know. Yeah, Shipping Wars. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Ray's was on that. Yeah, well, that... And that goes back to another one of those stories where I was like, man, I don't know, we don't have anything, whatever. And Ray like, st- like stepped up and was like, no way, this is a national TV yeah. show that's going to be in reruns. We want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trek was like, well, we don't have the budget for that. And he's like, well, then I'll just spend my own damn money doing yeah. it then because, you know, it's it's... My name is still on the still on the door, yeah. so we're going to make this happen. We're going to build something crazy, and we're going to ship it to Milwaukee. Whether Trek pays for it or whether you're a part of it or whatever, Ray was like, I'm doing it. And he called the production company and said, yeah, we're in. Bring the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> we're ready. That's really awesome. So we built that big hamster wheel, and, and uh, they came, and we filmed it. And um, I just – I wish – I wish I could have do do it over again. I know that it was definitely one of those things where I just wish things would have been just a little bit different, and we could have really like blown that show up, like yeah. with some with some really cool stuff. But it happened so quick. Mm-hmm. It was like the guy was in here, they were shooting, they were filming, and it was like this, 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 and then all of a sudden they're gone. We rigged the thing up and they're gone. I'm like, oh man, I didn't get time to do this. Or, you know, you have all these visions of how it goes, and it just. It wasn't like that at all. It was like, came in, they did their thing, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty cool. And then we were questioned on Jeopardy, too, which was pretty Really? Cool. Yeah. What was the question? Okay. Wow. Ray's MTB in Cleveland offers their customers this, or practice in this unique environment. Wow. I didn't know that. That's that is indoor mountain biking. What is, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. He wins. Yeah. Uh, what is indoors? Wow. But but nobody got it. Yeah. Nobody got the the question or the answer. Yeah. Whatever you want to say. Wow. That's still amazing. Nobody got it. But there was somebody in their research department that dug really deep. Yeah. And I think it was just the Ray's MTB part that they didn't understand or they didn't know what it was. Yeah. So right. they were like, I don't even know what Ray's MTB is. Like, that's crazy pop culture question. Yeah. I don't know what the subject was, though. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was cool that we were able to be recognized on such a big stage like Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. Is that crazy to say? Yeah. That cool. is, it's crazy that it happened. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's, it's been a cool ride. Absolutely. So, is there anything that you wanted to talk about specifically that we haven't talked about? Because we kind of no. only talked about your history and then Rays in general. Is there anything? Yeah. On no. a personal level? No, I don't think so. Okay. No. Maybe maybe we can end it on what do you think about freestyle in the Olympics? Freestyle in the <laughs> Olympics? Um, well, I think it's I think it's really cool. Um. I think the whole judging thing, yeah, I think is just it's. I don't think it's that fair. Yeah, we talked about this with Nick. Did you? Yeah. I think anything with judges, it's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Have you ever judged a contest before? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah. It's easy to. No, you literally talked about how it was like so hard. Yeah. 
to judge a contest and then to compete and, and try oh, to understand yeah. what they're judging on. Yeah. Right. So what do you do for the judges? I mean, ice dancing mm -hmm. and, you know, different things, mogul skiing. And what it, I'm just throwing things out there is like Winter Olympics are going on right now and yeah. I just kind of flip back and forth to see some stuff. But, you know, some of the judging stuff, I, I don't, yeah, that would be my only gripe. I think it's great. I think we'll hopefully get to see some of that on primetime TV. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is the problem though. Because yeah. BMX racing was scheduled to be um, on well, sort of prime time, but I mean, it was supposed to be, but because it was an outdoor venue, it, it rained. Oh. So it didn't get, yeah. it didn't get recorded or it got recorded, but only later. And then it showed at like 4 a.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was great, but it wasn't because it wasn't on prime time. Mm -hmm. So whether the judging is fair or not, or what I think of it doesn't really matter. But what I think is if we can get enough prime time coverage and a good storyline with somebody, mm -hmm. whether it be Nick or whether it be Corey Coffey or whether it be anybody else or Hannah Roberts yeah. or any of these guys that are, that are going to be in the Olympics, that if we get one of those feature stories, one of those backstories, and then there's this whole drama thing that happens uh -huh. and then, you know, all of a sudden the competition comes about and then there's this big blow up where this person wins and coming from this and yeah. doing this and... I think the Olympics is is a great thing, um, but it's really going to depend on how much exposure that we get. Yeah, well, you're certainly if Nick is involved and he's in it, you're going to get local. The news will probably want to talk about Nick, and he'll talk about here. And, you know, being in the and Olympics is a big deal. Absolutely, and I'm hoping Nick, if you're watching. <laughs> That you would suggest that they did the some of the interviews here, and maybe not all, because they want to see where he's from and you know his family, and they want to meet his family and want to you know see where he lives and like you know all that yeah. stuff, you know all the personal stuff. But uh, yeah, if they do anything, it'd be great if you could do it here here at the park, right? You know, either that or Wedgwood. Yeah, but, well, there's that one for sure too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, any TV cameras are. More than welcome here. <laughs> Hear that? Hear that TV? Another <laughs> TV lion? Yeah. <laughs> well, did you have more questions or anything? I think we covered it. No, we don't, want to, we don't want to talk about the circus. Do you want to talk any, about the no, circus? I yeah. I've, I've, I've said that to my friends. That's like around the campfire, you know, yeah. camping out or yeah. something, you know, and and somebody just brings up juggling <laughs> or unicycles or I don't know how the subject ever comes about yeah. but I end up telling them you know you know yeah I was in the circus at one time you know and they're like oh come on dude no way you know and uh, so the story goes so maybe that's for another podcast but that would yeah, be cool if you want to talk about the circus and uh, we can do it you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll we could talk about that let's too. do that let's do that podcast <laughs> We'll do a round, we should get yes. a round table yes. Yes. of people who have had uh, great things to talk about. We'll get a 360 camera, and sit then, in the middle. Yep. And then, and then we could talk about sort of the, the very bottom of things, too. That would be fantastic. You know, of the, of the yeah. sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and all the things uh, that, we've, that, we, that have happened to us because of those three things. 
Yeah. Right on. I don't think we want to do that. Huh? We'll see. All right. We'll talk about it. Yeah. This is okay. Thanks, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah.